Previously on Hound Radio's Arch Campbell podcast. I take it it's the story of a young boy who discovers he wants to be a filmmaker and he's growing up in sort of a uh, of a dysfunctional family or his parents' marriage is uh, not good. This is absolutely wrong. You're, <laughs> you're wrong. Perfect. The Arch Campbell podcast featuring Arch, Lou Katz, and a cast of thousands begins now. Uh, we all recognize that voice, Arch Campbell, from a recent podcast talking about the new Steven Spielberg movie, The Fablemans, with Susan Wazena and Bill Newcott. And speaking of Arch... Hello again, everybody. I'm Arch Campbell, and this is the podcast that tries to keep you informed on the ever-changing world of entertainment. Lou Katz is in the worldwide headquarters of Hound Radio, producing and directing. I am, and I'm here drooling and ready for another podcast with you guys. Can't wait. Are we on the air? <laughs> you're on the you're on the podcast. <laughs> is the network working? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, today we have the dream team. I call them the dream team. I hope my other guests don't hear me say this. But first, from Los Angeles. Oliver Jones, correspondent right. for Observer.com. Hello. The son of our dear friend, Davey Marlon Jones, and he's he is holding the banner for the Jones family for entertainment and uh, doing all kinds of things in LA. And uh, the film savant of Washington, D.C. from WTOP Radio at WTOP.com. Jason Fraley. Hi, Jason. Hello, Jason. Hey, thanks for having me back. Well, are you kidding? <laughs> so uh, now it's always a pleasure. Love talking to both of you guys. So here we go. Let's start. Uh, let's start with uh, Oliver. What are you watching? What well, do you like these days? I have to report to you guys something that I was not expecting to experience anytime mm. soon, which was a life-changing <laughs> experience in a movie theater like one of those that you just never expect to have i've only Ooh. had it really once before that i can recall uh easily uh and that was um at uh, a 900 person showing of the film rrr uh at um at the uh chinese theater uh on the imax uh screen in uh on september 30th here in los angeles Now, RRR, for those of you who are uninformed, is yeah. um, all of us. Telugu uh, language uh, epic about, um, <laughs> uh, directed by SS Rajamuli. Uh, and it is, it is just so unbelievably engrossing emotionally and, and visually. And, and, and the people in the audience are, were dancing, singing were hissing, booing. I mean, it was like a, it was like an experience I never expected to have. <laughs> now, uh, am I going to see RRR on uh, Amazon Prime? It's currently it's currently on Netflix, but it's a it's a Hindi dubbed version that's on Netflix, which is not um which is not what the director would have wanted. But this film is getting a big push for Oscar. It's the top um it's the top uh uh grossing film and the biggest budget film uh, ever made in India. Uh, and um, and uh, basically, 
uh, this screening that I saw or or theater showing was the start of the director's kind of tour of Hollywood, uh, where he Ooh. was um, both wow. meeting with journalists and meeting with studios. Uh, it's it's like nothing art. So uh, is this up for like best foreign film, or you think it's the they're best going for overall? they're going for the big Kahuna? Uh, really, and, uh, and they have oh. a lot of um, they have a lot of momentum behind them um, right now. Um, I guess huh. I, I don't know how to um, describe it other than you've never seen action sequences like it, and you've never seen dancing sequences uh, like it. Wow! Wow! And, so a um, real cultural uh, awakening. This it is the was, first I've heard of RRR. It was, uh, it was, it was a moment in cinematic time that I will never forget. The only thing I can compare it to, Arch, was in sometime in the spring of 1981 at the KB uh -huh. Cinema. My dad took me to an advanced screening of Raiders of the Lost Ark. I yeah, think was probably yeah. there. Yeah, uh, and um, and that was the only thing that I can compare it to. At the time, wow. I was not quite ten, uh, and I had a um, pretty bad stutter. So when I went to my soccer team uh, at Stoddard the next day, uh -huh. I couldn't like say anything that happened. You know, it was like all kind of bubbling out of my mouth. And um, I couldn't remember the name of the movie because it was such a strange name. Uh, but I was so excited. And and the level of excitement for this movie is equal to that. You're not going to believe this. But when you opened up with I had a life changing experience, when I tell people about uh, life changing experiences at the movies, it was me walking into the KB Cinema in 1981 for a cold screening of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Wow. With no idea of what to expect. And I think we're first, at the same one, Arch. I had never, first, my dad had never heard of it. The first 20 minutes of that and the, you know, the boulder and all of that stuff and the audience practically ripped the seats out of the theater. The people were on their feet. I would, that's, of course, I was not quite 40. You were right. not quite 10. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I have to say yeah, yeah, I was this not is quite 35. Like that when you have this COVID. I'm, I, I'm not overhyping it. I promise you I'm not. Wow. <laughs> Jason, how, how can you follow that? I don't You're think I can. That is, uh, that is, uh, I haven't, I haven't oh, had okay. that life changing experience. <laughs> I R, was, R, you know, R. I was hoping to have a similar life changing experience with a, a new acclaimed movie. Um, and, and it was well made and all, but it just didn't do for me uh, what I was hoping. Uh, it was. Uh, have you guys heard of um, Decision to Leave by Park Chan Wook? I haven't seen no. it, but I'm dying to see it. Yeah, I've been dying no. to see it too. So it's uh, it's he's a South Korean filmmaker, obviously, mm -hmm. and I, I remember speaking of walking into theaters. I walked in to watch uh, Old Boy back at the AFI Silver when that came out in the early two thousands and blew my mind a little more actiony. Um, and then you know, remade The Handmaiden a couple years ago in twenty sixteen. Uh, always a contender for the you know the foreign language Oscar. Um, this one, um, I thought. Based on the premise and everything, I thought I was going to love it. And it's interesting in certain ways. It's like this detective who falls for um, the widow of, of a guy who falls in a rock climbing incident. Um, and uh, so th there's a lot of, uh, oh, and I should say uh, he he won Best Director at, at Cannes. So it is, you know, it's definitely, you can see why it's visually impressive. Mirror reflections, uh, the detective enters his own voyeuristic binocular shots, et cetera, et cetera. And, and you know, when he's driving around the car tailing 
um, uh, the 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 widow. There's definitely echoes of like Vertigo, which is arguably one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Double Love Indemnity, double, you know, there's uh-huh. the double indemnity stuff too, um, and which I know Oliver uh, loves as well, and you, Arch. Um, yeah. But but uh, but I don't for for some reason it just sort of felt like um, while visually impressive it, to me, it sort of. If it, it sort of felt like it, it the so thematically it hadn't really evolved the genre any more than those movies made back in the fifties, you know, forties and fifties and even some seventies. Um, I, the woman doesn't get any more agency. You know, you thought maybe post Me Too in twenty twenty two and stuff, there the woman might woman might get more to do, but she's pretty much just like you know your cookie cookie cutter femme fatale. And and in this, there's no Dublin, there's no Barton Keys. Uh, you know, <laughs> double identity that's sort of the moral conscience is sort of like, you know, two, two unlikable people meeting meeting their end. I guess sort of like a body heat, which I know I'm mentioning references of, to movies we all like. So I th- oh, yeah. I, I feel Love like it. I should Love be I, kind of selling Let's this movie. I know, right? I feel like I should be hyping it. But I guess what I'm saying is I could see why it's winning directing prizes, but I don't think the script is as, uh, I don't think it's going to do like a parasite uh, and go the distance. I, I, so that's my um, mixed uh, mixed review. <laughs> now, is that out in theaters yet? Is that uh, around? I think nationwide, it just came out. Uh, I think it might be this week. And then I think it hits DC, I believe next, I think on the 21st. Now, so. now give me the title again. Decision to Leave. Decision to leave. And is it in Korean? Yes, yes. It is uh, it, with wow. subtitles, for sure. Um, so we have a Hindi movie and a Korean movie. <laughs> there you go. Well, we're, we're pretty international these days. <laughs> exactly. My- Wow. But you know what? I'm going to bring it back home, too, with a good old uh, yeah. Hollywood Halloween recommendation. The Black Phone that just came out this year. Mm. Scott Derrickson, he made Exorcism of Emily Rose and I think Marvel's Doctor mm. Strange. Um, I actually, I can't believe I'm recommending this more than Decision to Leave. I thought it was going to be the opposite. But I actually, Black, The Black Phone, I think, is the perfect Halloween movie. Ethan Hawke is this child abductor with a creepy horned mask. But what makes it different than, like, say, Prisoners, which I still think is Denis Villeneuve's best movie, but um, what makes it different than the other child abductor movies is there's this black phone ringing in the basement of the abductor, and the the kidnapped boy is getting calls from all the former victims, supernatural calls, trying to help him uh, get out. Huh? Don't hang up. Who are you? So it's a little bit room, a little bit prisoners, a little bit M with the balloons floating away. I think Oliver had been... Uh promoting that film uh, on an earlier podcast. Uh, I think I was talking about how horrified the concept uh-huh. of gave me and that I'm, I'm too much of a wimp to even think about it. I almost <laughs> wanted to leave the room while Jason was describing it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, hey, I'm my, that sensitive, Arch. You're not alone. My wife, uh, and this is how I've heard about it, my wife kept uh-huh. seeing the trailers pop on her phone, like, you know, late at yeah. night and watching stuff, trying uh-huh. to fall asleep and, and refuses to watch it. So I had to go down and watch it. It creeped her. <laughs> and there you go. It's freaky. So, <laughs> so I, have, uh, I have an interesting news item from over the weekend. We had a, a, a meeting of the Los Angeles Film Critics Association mm. in which we... Yeah. Um, uh, gave our Lifetime Achievement Award to uh, the great French director Claire Denis. We also mm-hmm. uh, voted as a group to end gender distinctions for the uh, acting category. Oh, uh, so, that's um, interesting. From, from now on, we're going to have two lead performance acting categories and two supporting performance acting categories mm-hmm. uh, with no gender specifics uh, connected to them. 
uh, a lot of different awards have been doing this, and uh, we're we're the we're the latest to uh, to change uh, our our categorization. And I was wondering what you guys, uh, what what especially Jason, who's um, such a great prognosticator of, uh, of award season, uh, what you think of this uh, kind of change. Well, I mean, I think it's interesting. It, it, it'll make it interesting. Are we ever going to see a, a Nicholson and Louise Fletcher, uh, you know, <laughs> you know, win the big five? That kind of uproots that. Um, I'm fine with it. it, it I mean, um, that my, my question was going to be if, if because I'd seen some, you know, places going this route, and I was going to wonder whether it would just go down to one category or whether you would keep two. So you're saying there's going to be two. There's just going to be best actor, plural, actors. Yeah. Yes, that's correct. We, we, well, we what, uh, what if you, I mean, it sounds like the, the intent is to uh, promote more women in, uh, in roles. And what if you get two uh, male winners? Well, it's interesting. I mean, um, uh, there, there was a lot of concern. The vote was, was, was contentious. And there was a lot of mm -hmm. uh, concern that, that this decision would be negatively impacting uh, women uh, who, would, yeah. who would already had an automatic place. The LAFCA, at least over the last five years, has naturally, without any sort of conscientious effort, been a pretty um, diverse uh, uh, set of voting. Uh, yeah. So we weren't too worried about that. Um, but it was meant just to be <laughs> inclusive of, of, of all. And I think there were con concerns that this year and in the coming years, there would be performers who didn't fit in either of those categories and uh, be able to vote for them. And that wouldn't be fair to them. Hmm. Uh, well, it's too bad the crying game <laughs> is enough for anything. To wow. Do. Talk about a twist. Well, no, it, it's an interesting, <laughs> nice one. Nice that was my art. second life changing experience. <laughs> oh, I'm, I was I, in the, walked into that cold. I was in the back of the outer circle theater uh, the theater was full, so the manager let me sit on the steps by the exit, and then the oh. twist came in the crying game, and I've never heard such a gasp in my life. And you know that year they had, um, uh, they were uh, confused as to uh, how to handle uh, the actor. Right. Yeah. Oh, I huh. give. I would give anything uh, to go see to be in the theater like you are during that that twist when that reveal happens. Um, so, I mean, I guess spoiler alert, but but um, but yeah, like uh, Oliver. I mean, it's an interesting point, you know, because for years now we've seen uh, the content of movies, you know, trying to break down, you know, gender barriers, but then the then suddenly it'd be like, oh, never from never mind, you must compete in a male or female. Uh, dichotomy um so i guess i guess it's a sign of the times and uh yeah i mean i yeah i i'm, I'm curious to see if there will ever be you know if, if the oscars ever adopts it for instance is, is yeah, it going to be, be interesting more yeah. more men or more women that get nominated to fill out the five is it going to be a sweep and all women one year or something that'd be interesting to, to see hey by the way uh how wounded are the oscars if you went to a meeting of the la film critics after uh, Will Smith last year, you know, and, and actually for the last several years, it's just been, oh God, what have they done now? And the Will Smith thing still rattles me. How wounded are the Oscars? So uh, uh, the Oscars, AKA the Real Housewives of the Dolby Theater. <laughs> um, I mean, it's, it, it has, 
obviously um, it has become uh, just sort of a, a reality show uh, now. And, and I think that that the problem with the Oscars now is that we've had a few years now where we've had unscripted surprises, right? Mm -hmm. uh, with um, uh, with the uh, Moonlight debacle and with the and with the Chris right. uh, with Will Will Smith hit. Yeah. And and I can't imagine that they that that's going to keep happening. You know, neither of those were particularly good, but at the same time, no. it injected a lot of excitement into the conversation, into the same thing. So so now when we don't have unscripted moments at the Oscars, they're going to be like, well, where where's the surprise? Where's the unscripted yeah. moment? You know, so yeah. sort of, they're, they're in a strange bind right now, um, uh, Arch. Well, yeah. I think it's well, going to be interesting to see if uh, what's Will Smith's latest movie, Emancipation. Yeah. Um, yeah. If if that gets uh, any acclaim, because I'm an Antoine Fuqua fan since Training Day, but but uh, yeah, that's going to be the. I didn't think we would have to uh, a test that early of, of, how, of the fallout from this. I almost wonder. It's interesting that Apple didn't hold off at least another year on that, but. Well, there's also rumors, right, that uh, that Chris Rock was asked if he wanted to host. Yeah, uh, yeah, so, I read that. So, you know, they they might be trying to milk it. Who knows? You know, I mean, it's uh, no, the, but Chris the, Rock turned him down. He just said no. He's just yeah. not going there. That would, uh, that would... Jason, uh, we've got uh, something in our East Coast backyard, which is the Middleburg, Virginia Film Festival, which has had in the past quite a good track record. What are you seeing when you look at the titles in Middleburg that uh, that you think we might uh, that might resonate with the rest of the year? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, traditionally, the, la the last I guess it's entering its tenth anniversary. Hard to believe, but yeah, traditionally, you know, Toronto is usually the film fest is like the big uh, first glimpse of all these you know potential uh, future Oscar contenders, and then Middleburg, right here in our backyard in Virginia, is sort of our DC region's uh, first chance to see a lot of these. Um, so the one I'm really interested in, well, there's several, but. Um, I've been curious. I want to see The Whale by Darren Aronofsky. Uh, I know Brendan Fraser is he's, he plays a severely obese, reclusive. I get. I don't know if it's like an English professor, I think, or an author, but um, he's going to be there talking about that film. It's a story about a man living with a great deal of regret. Um, he wants to make amends with his daughter, and he's been progressively harming himself by overeating. He has very little time, and that's to be a a redemption story. Uh, Noah Baumbach is coming back with White Noise. He came a couple years ago with Marriage Story, and and, and in this and in this movie reunites with Adam Driver and of course Greta Gerwig, who is his you know life partner and great you know muse and all that stuff. Um, we have Sam Mendes's um, Empire of Light, um, which I think is um, Olivia Coleman, I believe, in 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 the eighties, uh, all about the magic of movie going. Uh, which seems right down my alley, like a cinema paradiso or something. And then I know they're, and then the Woman King's gonna screen. I know that came out a couple weeks ago, but Gina Prince Brythewood, you know, loving basketball director, director of Woman King, is gonna be there. At, she's gonna be at the festival too. So um, I think those are the ones that that stand out. Um, have I, have you had a chance to look at the lineup? Yeah, uh, there, there's a movie that's uh, playing there called After Sun, uh, mm. which I saw a couple of, uh, I saw about a week ago which was a really interesting, very different movie, very powerful film for um, fathers of daughters, which I am one. Uh, and it's about a, um, a, a man in the mid nineties uh, and his 11 year old daughter going on vacation in a, a beach town in Turkey. And really not a lot happens. It's a bit of a memory piece and it's contending with memory. 
and uh, an identity. And uh, it's made by a, a Scottish director, a first-time director, a woman um, by the name of, oh, I can't recall her name. Uh, and it's really, it was really quite moving. It stuck with me a lot. And then there's Charlotte, a we Charlotte Wells is her name. Yeah, Charlotte Wells. That's right. She's she's based. She went to Tish. She's based in Brooklyn now. And I really found the film to be incredibly powerful. And another really great uh, uh, young actor uh, um, uh, by the name of, of Frankie Corio uh, plays the young woman. It's really one of the most uh, impressive performances uh, I've seen so far this year. And also a movie that I saw out of Sundance, the documentary The Descendants, um, which is really a, a must see. Uh, it's um, it's about the, the 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 descendants of the last slave ship uh, that came in after slavery was made illegal in the United States. The way my mother told me, Timothy Mayer, a local businessman, made a bet that after slavery was abolished, that he could still bring Africans into the country. He went and brought them back here and burn the ship to conceal the crime. And it was uh, it's a very it's a very powerful documentary. One of many powerful documentaries that came out of Sundance this year. But, but, but wow, you guys have a wealth of, of riches there. Wow, yeah. And when you're talking about After Sun, I mean, I, I got to see it. It's, uh, I'm, I've been dying to see it because I've heard other people raving about it, critics that I, that I mean, I the, thing is, the thing is, it's, it's slight. I, I, I kept expecting something sort of terrible and dramatic to happen. Uh, and it's a different kind of movie than that. So I sort of wish I had prepared myself for a memory piece and not you know, I was I was half expecting the girl to get kidnapped or something and uh, and end up right. in a basement with um you with know Ethan Hawk. <laughs> telephone. No, uh, no, that's uh, fine. And thank uh, yeah, I'm glad you you teed it up for the listeners because to to me when I I get I get vibes of like what was it nine days a couple years ago like this indie about uh, existential uh, memory like uh, I I hope it'll scratch that sort of same itch as, as a movie like that. Another memory piece that's playing there, uh, Jason, is Armageddon Time from James Gray. Mm. Uh, which I also saw, and he was um, Lost City of Z, got right. Yeah, that's yeah, right. yeah. That's right. I stu I wanted to mention this to you because I stumbled on the man who wasn't there. Remember that the Coen Brothers film yeah. with Billy sure. Bob Thornton, and of course I realized now it's it's a tribute to Double Indemnity. Right. It's their tribute, and uh, you know you mentioned Double Indemnity and some of these other things, and. I just, every now and then, I'm struck by how wonderful it is that I can just turn on my TV and I can watch uh, some of the greatest films ever made or even some that uh, I didn't realize were great at the time and are so good now. And, um, that's that's oh, yeah. my life-changing well, <laughs> experience well, for the movies, week. That, that, that movie was, was shot by the great uh, cinematographer uh, Roger Deakins, and it's just mm -hmm. so incredible to look at. Uh, in fact, it was from watching Billy Bob Thornton in that movie that Angelina Jolie fell in love with him. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah, yeah, that was the reason, <laughs> yeah. It wasn't <laughs> Sling Blade? <laughs> no, no. You, he had a haircut like yours, Jason, and that was all it was. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> well, on that note, Let's take just a moment to thank Hound Radio for uh, putting uh, this show together and to uh, hear Lou Katz extol the virtues of the Katz podcasting system. Well, we are one of the scariest radio stations on the Internet. <laughs> 
for for a variety of reasons besides this podcast. (laughs) And we've got a very special day of music coming up for Halloween. Check this out. For Halloween, Hound Radio is channeling our inner wolf. I got a popcorn ball. I got a fudge ball. I got a pack of gum. I got a rock. And you sweetest treat of all your favorite hound Halloween hits all Halloween long happy Halloween from the scariest station on the internet hound radio I think we all are anxious to talk about Angela Lansbury whose death has uh, certainly gotten on everybody's uh, radar and there's so many things to appreciate about uh, Angela Lansbury, and uh, where should we begin? Uh, well, I mean, uh, I, I, I'll, I'll take it at first if you want. Um, I grew up, of course, seeing her in Disney's Beauty and the Beast as Mrs. Potts singing "Be Our Guest." Yeah. You know, heaven's sake, is that a spot? And of course, and singing the the title, the title song. I mean, it gives you goosebumps as the camera cranes down digitally or animatedly through from the chandelier as as Angela Lansbury's voice. But um, but really, to me, as the movie buff, as I got older, I went back and discovered yeah. all the classics. You know, it's Gaslight has entered our lexicon as this. Yeah, band, she was seventeen at Gaslight. Right, yeah. and then of course, I mean, of course, oh, the Manchurian Candidate. Here, here it comes. comes. That, oh. that, that is the one, oh, and, and the nineteen sixty-two on the original, the Frankenheimer. Um, I mean, hypnotizing. Uh, what oh. is it? Lawrence Harvey playing solitaire. It is one of the great all-time villain roles of all time. So if you have not seen Manchurian Candidate, oh. go watch it now. And you know, there was a remake of Manchurian Candidate, with Denzel Washington, that was right. just horrible. Right. And one of the things the remake missed was Angela Lansbury as the the most evil mother. <laughs> yes. In the world, I think of yeah. I mean, and and all respect. I think the remake was what Jonathan Demi, I believe, right? But the thing I didn't, yeah, yeah. the thing I didn't appreciate of it, you know, and I love Denzel and the cast and everybody, but I, I believe I'd have to double check. I believe they changed the ending of who gets shot too. I think, I think, I think he so. pulls the gun scope to a different uh victim in that. But the original, oh my gosh, the original, and it had to get pulled from theaters, right? Didn't Sinatra have to pull it with the JFK assassination? You know, it was was made in 62, and then in 63, the Kennedy assassination put a uh, an onus on that film, because it's about uh, an assassin uh, at a political convention, and the the parallels were too uh, shocking at the time for uh, uh, between the film uh, story and between the assassination of John Kennedy, which was uh, the shocking, it was the 9-11 of uh, the 60s. You, you um, talk about uh, how Gaslight has uh, entered the lexicon, so has Manchurian Candidate. Yeah, uh, yeah, true. yeah. And, yeah. Um, but the thing about Angela Lansbury is that um, she sort of hit every like nerd quarter that that you have right because of her you know her sondheim affiliation and yeah. her broadway right. connection yes. her, her yes. Disney connection uh um murder she wrote uh movie buffs and then on top of that she was the most approachable normal absolutely you know, and and humane individual i had the incredible good luck and good fortune of interviewing her when she was uh given her uh like uh like um honorary Oscar uh, mm-hmm. about um, a wow. decade ago at the Governor's Awards. And 
she was just so amazing to talk to and so yeah. upfront about everything. You know, I mean, um, including right her her uh, historic um, Emmy loss run. You know, she never she never won. Uh, I think she was she was nominated for eleven years in a row or something like that uh, for um, for Murder She Wrote. Uh, and uh, she and um, and also you know she proudly talked about the you know the nips and tucks and surgeries that she'd had over the years. Oh yeah, the, uh, yeah. You know, I mean, she was just so down to earth and. Um, and I think that, you know, she's just a presence in all of our lives in, a, in, in, in so many different categories in, in a way that is really profound. And it's wonderful that we can all share in this moment and appreciate her. I just wish she was here to, to see it. By Absolutely. the way, Jason mentioned uh, Beauty and the Beast, and that film is famous as the one that revived the Disney animation. You know, until that time, Disney was uh, in a big slump. And uh, that was their push to uh, to get back into animation. And, and of course, uh, that is uh, one of the most delightful of the uh, animated films uh, ever. Yeah. And our, I mean, great point, Arch, about the Disney Renaissance. And I'll, I'll actually mm -hmm. slightly I'm going to tweak tweak it slightly and say that it was the second in a run that did it, because I think The Little Mermaid was right before it in 89. Yeah. Then you have was Beauty Little Mermaid first. Yep. And then you yeah. have Beauty and the Beast in 91, Aladdin mm -hmm. in 92, and The Lion King in 94. And honestly, that those four movies, and that talk about my childhood. Man, I'm going yeah. back. But uh yeah, I mean that they decided let's go like a Broadway musical. And speaking of stage, before before we get off the Angela Lansbury um obit here, I saw her, I didn't get to interview her like Oliver, but I saw her in Blythe Spirit at National Theater uh, oh, a couple years really? ago. Yeah. Oh, God. Which was which was great. Um, oh, and, uh, but I wanted to throw that out because when I was researching for that, it blew my mind to realize in 1957, Lansbury made her pre-Broadway debut at the National in D.C. at National Theater in something oh, no called kidding. Hotel Paradiso, and her co-star that night was Burt Lahr, aka the Cowardly oh, Lion. Wow. Right. <laughs> That's amazing. Isn't that wild. Yeah. Wow. Well, well, I just I want to uh, put one quote in, you know, Angela Lansbury. First, she starts in, in Gaslight. I'm not going to sleep in the same room with her. See the way she looked at me. Don't you think perhaps your costume might have something to do with it? What's the matter with it? Well, it's a little, shall we say, loud. I hope you're not a flighty girl, Lucy. My name's Nancy. And then uh, then we go up to uh, to this career where she was, uh, she played the mothers, uh, starting with the Manchurian Candidate. And all of a sudden, she was Elvis's mother in, in one film. <laughs> she said when she was about 40, here's the quote. I played so many old bags, people think I'm 65. And anybody who uses the term old bag it, yeah. it, it gets my complete respect. <laughs> well, I mean, I think I, I think when all is said and done, I mean, maybe between her and Bernadette Peters, but she is the quintessential Sondheim actor. Uh, yeah. And, you know, yeah. And, and Sondheim is the most significant, you know, uh, theater voice uh, uh, in in certainly 20th century American history, and 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 um and she 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 understood his humor. And she had these incredible chops and, and ability not just sing, but also enunciate. 
you know, and she was hilarious. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, it was just the amount of talent that that woman had to go with her graciousness is almost unimaginable. So just uh, the, the stops she made, you know, the box she checks uh, over yeah. her uh, career, uh, Gaslight, Manchurian Candidate, uh, uh, Sweeney Todd, Mame, uh, the Broadway stuff, Murder She Wrote. And remember, remember that, that wasn't there a skit on Saturday Night Live where uh, somebody turns into their murder, they turn turn into their mother because they sit around watching uh, Murder She Wrote. Ah, I become my mother. Well, you know, it's funny. Uh, I mean, I think uh, during the pandemic and during the lockdown. Uh, it was on Netflix, and it became a comfort uh -huh. food uh, for a lot of people, you know, and it, it became something that that really, um, you know, soothed us, sort of like yeah. a, how a grandmother yeah. would soothe us, you know, in a time of great anxiety and worry. Uh, so I think that she she gained a new level of relevancy that we didn't necessarily realize, uh, you know, over this pandemic period. Uh, so I think we uh, we all uh, miss and uh, revere uh, Angela Lansbury. Any any other uh, words? Uh, Brett, rest in peace. Um, yeah. Certain as the sun rising in the east, tale as old as time. I mean, well, you, you know, right? uh, uh, the other thing about Angela Lansbury that I'll remember is that the profound L.A. connection that she had. I mean, before she got gaslight, she worked in um, uh, a department store here selling perfume. She lived in Malibu when her house burned down. You know, she was a she was a part of LA's geography too. You know, uh, uh -huh. and um and so uh, she's just a a beloved figure. Uh, one other beloved figure has passed away since our last podcast, and that is Loretta Lynn, at the age of ninety, and she's part of movie history because of her uh, film biography, Coal Miner's Daughter and uh, Sissy Spacek. Well, I was born to Coal Miner's Daughter. Oh, yeah. I mean, um, talk about quintessential, you know, biopics. Uh, Loretta Lynn's uh, death rocked rocked my household for sure. Um, mm. my, my wife saw her front oh, row yeah. at 930 Club a couple years ago, saw her in action. But man, really? This, yeah. How, yeah. Old, how old was Loretta Lynn when she was performing? Oh, gosh, I, I'm, I'm not I'm honestly not not sure. Probably. What, what, what did she pass away at? 90? She was 90, I think. So probably so in her eighties. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I mean, Golly we have Moses. we have those songs on rotation, and she around here, uh -huh. she could do. I mean, obviously, Coal Miner's Daughter, one of the great autobiographical, you know, <laughs> growing up in Butcher Holler and all that stuff. Um, but people forget, you know, the social comment, social change, like the pill was about birth control back then. It was like a female empowerment thing. Um, then you had good. They had a hard time releasing it. Yeah, exactly. She recorded it and they didn't release it till three years later. Exactly, because it was yeah. so controversial. And then, you know, you had all these great relationship songs like Don't Don't Come Home a Drinking with Lemon on Your Mind or You Ain't Woman mm -hmm. Enough to Take My Man. Then you had all the Conway Twitty stuff, Louisiana Woman, Missing Man, all those duets. Um, but <laughs> I wanted to shout out one of her Christmas records that we play here all the time. It's called To Heck with Old Santa Claus. When he, when he goes dashing through the snow, I hope he falls. I'd like to hit him in his ho 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 with a bunch of big snowballs. Well, I uh, I know her mainly from the movie, and I have always considered the perhaps 
the most egregious snub in uh, in uh, Academy history was that Michael Apted never got a director's nomination when that film made, got seven nominations. It was so sensitively and and lovely direct. Uh, the direction in that film is just so uh, pristine. And of course, he's a he's a British director, you know, uh, making a movie set in Appalachia. But um, I definitely missed her too. It's it it, it was a, it was a, a tough a one two punch. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, and uh, and and uh, you mentioned Michael Apted. I believe he did a lot of the up the up series, those documentaries. That was what he was famous for. Yeah, yeah, but but Sissy Spacek. I mean, we gotta let's not forget that. She I won mean, the Oscar, so she she got her. You know, she, she got, got her, her due. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. you know, she was so good. What Badlands and Carrie, like dominating yeah. the seven some of those great seventies roles, and so it was great to see her fin finally win there. Yeah. Well, what should we recommend for this weekend? <laughs> Uh, I've got one that um, just came out on um, on Amazon, uh, Catherine called Birdie, uh, which was uh, directed by uh, Lena Dunham. And it's a, it's set in a medieval England about a, a very saucy young woman, terrific young performance. So seek that one out. Saucy. I, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yes. Um, and th for me, I'll say for something new, Halloweeny, The Black Phone. For a classic, double back and catch the original 1962 uh, Manchurian Candidate. Um, and then for, for PBS, I wanted to give a plug. I know Oliver just watched it too. The U.S. and the Holocaust by Ken Burns. Yeah, uh, yeah. And for, for about six hours, Ken Burns lays out his case, uh, you know, against, you know, the, the dangers, the historic dangers of white Great supremacy and anti-American, you know, anti-Statue of Liberty, how danger that can, dangerous that can be. And then in the final, like, two minutes, he shows present-day footage, and it it packs a wallop. You realize, you know, history, how close we could veer off in that direction. And and the uh, material on the original Ship of Fools, which became a film, but uh, yeah. is quite a history lesson. I'm with you. I'm going with the 1962 version of the Manchurian Candidate. Jason Fraley, WTOP.com, WTOP, Oliver Jones, Examiner.com. Lou Katz, thank you. Thank you for listening. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. This is so much fun. We'll play a little solitaire. <laughs> this is the Cats Podcasting System, where it's not just a podcast, but a podcast.